Oh my god, you love rom-coms? I love rom-coms. Let's be best friends. I'm Erin Bingham. Join me as I sit down with a friend, industry professional, or some random I've found off the street as we get far too excited about the romantic comedy films we love. Today we're talking about the early 2000s classic How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Released in 2003, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days stars Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey as Ben Barry and Andy Anderson going all in on the alliterated names. Based on a book written by Michelle Alexander and Jeannie Long, the screenplay was written by Kristen Buckley, Brian Regan and Burr Steers, and the film was directed by Donald Petrie. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is like the queen film for the bet trope because both Andy and Benjamin have a bet of sorts against each other. Andy is writing a magazine article about how women drive men away. She's calling it How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Wink, wink. Hi, Andy Anderson from Composure Magazine. Our resident how-to girl. I want to write about things that matter. What are you working on now? How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I could start by dating a guy and then drive him away. Doing everything girls do wrong in relationships. And Ben's an ad executive who's after a big, lucrative, diamond advertising account. He bets some women at his work and his boss that he can make a woman fall in love with him. I can sell myself to any woman. I'd like to see you prove that. You would. Make a woman fall in love with you. You're on. So who's the lucky girl? Her. Her who? Her in the gray dress. Hi, I'm Benjamin Barry. Andy Anderson. What follows is Ben trying to get Andy to fall in love with him, but Andy trying to get Ben to break up with her. Oh, you are already falling in love with me. I'm going to make you wish you were dead. And all of that within 10 days. Andy has a magazine deadline and Ben has a campaign to win. Hijinks ensue as Andy goes full-blown clingy and for some reason, Ben won't dump her. Hey there. Gang's all here. And all the girls dream that they'd be Ben's partner. They'd be Ben's partner. No, no. I used Photoshop to composite our faces together. Oh, that's our wedding. You're the kids in Switzerland. You're loodling. Our kids are really attractive. But as they spend time together and when they actually let their guard down, they actually find they have a lot in common and get on really well and they fall for each other. Where's the sexy, cool, fun, smart, beautiful Andy that I knew? He loves you. Can I see you tomorrow? This February. Delivery, Andy. Oh my God. A simple assignment that was supposed to last 10 days. Oh, he's really cute. Is turning into something. Lana, I can't write this article. That could last a lifetime. I can't write it because it's just, I've gotten to know this guy. You're beautiful. You'll write the article. I want copy on my desk in 48 hours. Excuse the sexy movie guy voiceover. I stole that clip from YouTube. And like all good rom-coms, of course it came out in February. So let's get started. Joining me today to talk about How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is April Watson. Welcome. Thank you. It's so nice to actually talk to you because, you know, I was thinking the other day, we've known each other via the internet for a good few years, but we've never met in person. I reckon it could be going on like, eight years because I feel like I connected with you online when I moved to Canberra like when I started seeing my ex which was 2011 because it's when I started getting into blogging you know like 
And yeah, I feel like that's how we connected. But yeah, my friend I've never actually hung out with, but you know, it'll happen. Yeah. Well, we'll have to change that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like face to face. I'm so yeah. bad with like actually getting out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. today I'm just going to jump into it. It feels so unnatural. Yeah. Like I'm not a presenter type. I'm just <laughs> like a, let's just have a chat kind yeah. of type. I mean, I like talking. I surely yeah. like I like talking. Yeah, who doesn't? <laughs> cool. So I kind of did a little intro about how we kind of know each other but don't know each other. Um, yeah. Do you want to tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, so my name's April. Uh, I'm a mom, a wife, but uh, most of all I'm a pop culture nerd. And so um, being married to a filmmaker means that my interest in film has kind of peaked since we met. And uh, I sort of, when I saw your tweet about wanting to talk about rom-coms, I was like, pick me, my favourite. So I was excited to be a part of it. And this movie is one of my favourites, although on the rewatch I was like, ah. So we'll get into talking about that. Yeah. When was the last time you think you watched it before recently? I don't think I've ever watched it with my husband because we did a lot of rewatching of things. I'm pretty sure we've never watched it together. Like we both know the movie, but we've never. So that's three, nearly four years. So I haven't seen it in a long while, but I have watched it probably 10 plus times. Yeah. I'm the same. Like I've seen it quite a few times, but I was trying to remember the last time I saw it. And I would say at least five or six years, probably. Yeah. 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 And kind of going into it with this, like having watched When Harry Met Sally last week. Yeah. As much as I have, su- that's probably my heyday of romantic comedies is the early 2000s. Yes. I love everything that came out in that period of time. Yes. But it's a very different kind of love. It's um, like I know the they're kind of crap. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it might be the same kind of love that we have for watching Friends where you go, oh, remember that, but also, oh, oh wow, that is not okay. <laughs> there was a few problematic things that yeah. came up, yeah. um, but we'll get to that later because I have a yeah. list. <laughs> she doesn't like structure at all, so it's fine. <laughs> no, psh, we do it how I say. Um, <laughs> what I did want to start off with was because I had watched When Harry Met Sally. When Harry Met Sally is about two people who kind of fall in love over, I mean, they already know each other, but it's over about a year. Um, In contrast, we've got How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. So 10 days. My question to you is, do you believe you can fall in love with somebody that quickly? I can tell you that you definitely can because my husband and I met on a Saturday night. We met at a club or whatever you want to call that, a bar, and then we had a date, if you take my drift. And then um, we I went away for the weekend for a friend's wedding and he surprised me by driving down the coast to meet with me and I knew that I was in love with him like that following. So what was that, the Sunday so eight days. That's cute. So yes, you can. Oh, bless. <laughs> do you think do you think he would have gotten on a motorbike and driven across New York and the Brooklyn Bridge to stop a cab with him in it? No. I mean the fact that he drove down to where we got married down at Murray Morang, but also that there was no like crazy New York traffic and it didn't involve finding the right cab at the right moment and opening the door and being like, oh, surprise, you're in there. Uh, 
he drove a long way, but I feel like not in the same context. <laughs> and I don't think I would have bothered. <laughs> and that's kind of true. Like, when does that ever happen in real life? Because sometimes you need to be realistic. <laughs> the magic of movies. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hollywood. Yes. Um, actually, you come from a blogging background. I'm kind yep. of like, yeah, like online presence. Yes. Um, which Early is how we know each other. That storytelling thing. Yeah. So I was really interested in this film about, because of Andy's job being in magazines yes. and writing this article. What are your thoughts on telling a story like this in 2019? Could you mm-hmm. see, because 2003 is the year it came out. Yep. You know, there wasn't social media. There wasn't the 24-hour, well, as much of a 24-hour news cycle. With her, it's really, I've got 10 days to get this story in, whereas I feel like journalists these days would be like, yes, that's so long. Um, How did you feel that translated to 2019 as someone kind of from that background of writing? I think, yeah, and I mean, I've, I've, I have worked in social media as well as um, that online kind of thing. So I totally know what you mean of you noticing those things like Lana holding her phone in the meeting, but no one else has got a phone. They've all got notepads. And you're like, well, that's not a thing. Um, and the kind of the sense that, yeah, she has time, that she's taking notes and you know yourself like if you don't do it when you think of it, someone else will think of it before you have a chance to publish. So it's like upload it as soon as possible, publish date right now because you know otherwise you're going to go to, you know, the latest meme account and they'll have shared the thought that you had because I'm pretty sure that phones might be reading our minds. Today those the, the websites are being updated constantly, like things are being uploaded constantly. She never would have had 10 days. She would have had one night and it would have been how to do something to your Tinder date and make sure that, you know, they're gone by the end of the weekend kind of thing. Yeah. And that's actually another thing I noticed while watching this film, I guess possibly more as a cynical older self. I um, I kept thinking, why didn't she just make it up? But then, mm. of course, we would have no film. Um, but towards the end of the film where she's like, I can't keep writing this article because I've fallen for him, I'm like, just write the article and tell him or like don't tell him but like write the article anyway I know know, and I think in this these times of disclosure and talking about feelings which I am 100% on board with um it would have made so much more sense if they were like so this is going to sound super weird because nothing sounds weird anymore so they were so this is a weird you know thing that's happened where my colleague said this and she'd be like oh well you won't believe it but this has happened and they'd be like sweet let's you know kind of collude on this I'll write the article and then I'll you know actually go and follow my real dreams rather than writing this trash yes i um i also thought you know if she'd come clean with him earlier it's possible they wouldn't have had the fight cuz she would have been able to explain it and vice versa and then they would have had the conversation. And, like, in this day and age, if someone was like, oh, by the way, the reason I'm acting crazy is because of this, I'd go, oh, cool, tell me more about the story. Um, Also, you're not crazy, that's great. That's awesome. And, oh, you're still as cute as I thought you were when I saw you before you started doing crazy stuff. So that's plus. But then, of course, we would have no film. Um, (laughs) 
or that's where the realist in me kind of comes through. <laughs> I know. And, you, and that thing where you feel yourself going, why would you do that? And, but then also having work, like you work in film. And so it's sort of like, well, I know why it's, it's a plot device, but also, Oh, that's dumb. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I love when she goes like full, what's the fatal attraction? Like, yes. and Funny just like ev- everything I, because I myself am terrified of commitment and all that sort of stuff. So, like, I can't even imagine how horrible that would be. How do you deal with clinginess? I really struggle with it. I definitely think that, um, you know, in the past I've had friends who definitely had that Andy vibe, like crazy Andy vibe, where you were like, what? Like the Catherine Hahn character, Michelle's character, where she's like, I don't know why this happens. And I'm like, um, so I know that there are some realities around that of like, you know, people, not just women who really need that constant attention validation. And for me, how I deal with it is mostly about being, uh, proactive. So starting the conversation with how, you know, I love you. You're amazing. You're a great friend. You're a good partner. You're a whatever. So that I don't have to later be asked, do you still love me? Do you think I'm cute? Is it, how do I look? So I think my, my, and this is a little bit about me being empathetic. Maybe it's because I'm a Pisces. I don't know. <laughs> Pre-preparing myself to go, I know this person already is going to be wondering, questioning themselves, questioning me. So let me answer those questions straight up by saying some affirmative things and then let's move on and do some fun stuff. Do you think if you started dating someone and they started acting like Andy, how quickly would you get rid of them? Or not? Uh, Maybe you're into that kind of life takeover. <laughs> she's not into that, girlfriend. No, she's not. Um, I think I would probably, I'm not a ghoster. I'm just not like that. So I think I would just be like, wow, um, I need to be really honest with you and say this is too much. I can't deal with how over the top you're being. And I think if he had said that in the movie, then she would have been like, no, well, here's why. Haha, <laughs> this is hilarious. But I think because he, you know, because of the whole point of him being like, okay, I've got to just keep putting up with this because I've picked this girl and I've got to win this bet. Um, but yeah. I absolutely would have to just be straight up and say, uh, there's two things that we can do right now. You can stop this or we can stop this. But either way, no, it's not for me. I can't imagine there's too many people it is for, but, you know, clingy and clingy someone. together maybe. <laughs> yeah, do somebody out there. I think you're right. I think you're right. And I think in the experiences that I've had, um, relationships wise sometimes there are two people where you go my god you're needy and then they meet someone and you think oh okay they're like super all over each other and that's really cute like it goes it's great yeah. for you I had um but- two friends who were just like so codependent and clingy with each other and I like that's not my role model I wasn't raised in a house where that was normal like there was no affection in my house really um so I met these two people and became friends with them and every time they would like just be all over each other and clingy and couldn't do something without the other person it was such an alien thing to me I just didn't understand it I guess that's upbringing and stuff but yeah they were just like super obsessed with each other which you know eventually I came to see as really sweet um but not for me not for me (laughs) I mean, there are some different levels of how on someone you need to be, so to speak. So I think that, you know, I do know people who are like, oh, we want to go here together or we don't, you know, if that if the other half of my relationship goes away for the weekend, then I just pine for them. And I'm like, yeah, I go to the pub, see ya. Like, 
maybe not now so much because we have a child, but it's usually me. He's at the pub and he stays home. Um, <laughs> but I think that um, I think that there is an element to finding love for people. It's that compatibility. And, and for some people, what drives their relationships into the ground is the fact that they're not compatible in that attention or love needing thing. I come from a family where it was just me and my mum. She's a super independent woman, the kind of person that went out and bought a drill and would proudly proclaim, I don't need to do, I don't need a man to do this. I can drill this myself. Mm-hmm. And so I also don't need a man to drill things, but also if there's someone around that wants to drill things, I don't, I don't want to do it. So... <laughs> Wink. <laughs> See, uh, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. That's Euphemism. Right, yeah. uh, any, any men or women. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you get the impression in this film that Kate Hudson's character doesn't come from kind of like a – she doesn't really come from a, a place where she had good role models for relationships and family? Because the scene where – they're playing bullshit and they have this great day out together and she comes back to the house and she feels really welcomed and like, and she cries. They never really explain that. And there's no mention of her family. The phone conversations with his mum and her mum never gets brought up. She doesn't have any sisters or brothers or uncles. There's like, there's no one. She's like this lone soldier. She just seemed quite independent, but almost in a, a lonely or a isolated kind of a way but I wonder whether or not that's a little bit of Kate Hudson's independence showing through because I mean Goldie Horn's daughter how could she not be a total boss independent I don't need no man mm. I don't need anyone kind of person she's only do you know what else she's only 24 in this film that's so she bonkers, actually probably right? even younger she was like 20 they filmed it in 2002 so she would have been 22, 23 when they filmed it, which is crazy. is crazy to me. She comes across so well. Like she's so clever and she does actually seem like the Andy Anderson who's not crazy whatever she's doing comes across. I feel like if you meet Kate Hudson in real life, that's what she's like. Yeah. Although did you get kind of quote-unquote cool girl vibes with the basketball like she loves basketball and yeah horribly forced like I'm not like the other girls the fact that she she kind of throws that that character one way and then the other she's very feminine and she's got great friends but also you know oh she's got like this interest in sport and and not just an interest like active knowledgeable smart sports fan but she also likes Celine Dion, or does she? Was that just yeah, a ploy? I don't know. But I think that, that yeah. The I love Celine Dion, so I hope not. It's well, exactly. But yeah, I just wonder whether or not that was that that. Well, it wasn't her necessarily being a cool girl, but in the sense of they thought, what can we do to make her a cool girl? And that was what they came up with. Like, yeah, and I mean, there are women who are feminine and whatnot, and like sport like that's totally fine but sure watching this it felt like a plot device rather than a genuine yes. interest like it didn't feel natural to me I lost my train of thought um <laughs> is there anything you want to talk about is no, I, okay, I think good. I so I talked about this the we obviously I um we've planned to be catching up to talk about this movie for a couple of days now and I had a car trip uh, today where I talked to my friend about this movie and it was funny because yesterday we were talking about listening to a song, specifically two songs. One of them was Lauren Hill, um, Do What That Thing, and where she's basically slut-shaming 
the shit out of everyone talking about, you know, how, you know, not winning a man over by showing your butt off. And then also there's the verse in the Jay-Z, Alicia Keys, Empire State of Mind, where he talks about how she has, she's got her bust out and everybody's riding her like a bus route. And I was kind of like, well, do what you want, girlfriend. Like, I don't care. So I think that, and those, both of those songs, if I think back to when they were released, probably timing-wise not too dissimilar to this movie. And I think that we're really super comfortable with um, the shamey, toxic stuff around when we're talking about cool girls or we're talking about what the right type of woman is for a man like the character Matthew McConaughey is playing. It's those girls that are virtuous enough where you can show them off but tardy enough that they are pleasurable. And I think that that's gross <laughs> and it hasn't aged well with me. <laughs> uh, there was a, a few things that I, well, it's not overtly shamey. It's like under the table shamey. Yeah, agreed. The the stuff, you know, around um, like even how they treat Michelle, like Michelle's not a cool girl and she's, you know, she's got feelings, which She's it's more than valid for her to have feelings. Whether or not she falls in love too fast or is too emotionally vulnerable aren't really the same the same thing as being someone who should be kind of mocked and used as an example of what not to do. Like I can't believe that anyone would want their friend, even if it was to save her from the crazy a beat girl, it, it's not really fair. And I don't think it's a good I don't think she's a good friend. I don't think Andy was being a good friend when she I said I'll that do too, it. yeah. Yeah, I don't if my friend said, Oh, I will uh, I will use your pain as a way to drive my clicks because it's twenty nine. And also she's essentially mocking her. Like yeah. I'm gonna do all the stuff that you did to prove that this is a bad idea. Yeah, <laughs> like, and she literally says to her, I would get dumped too if I did what you did. And it's kind of like, wow, friend said that to you to your face, would you still be friends? Well, that's the thing. How honest are you with your friends about this sort of stuff? Um, because I have friends that have made some pretty silly decisions in relationships, but I just kind of stand back and I'm just like, well, I'll be here when it, you know, when you need me. <laughs> I think I have been kind of upfront, but it's definitely like a being honest when it comes to giving other people advice on how they should behave in romantic relationships is a last resort before, you know, mild suggestion around other options that you could choose. Calling someone 52,000 times and blocking your phone number, I have definitely been a party to someone else doing that and moving like, mm, maybe we should just like not call them anymore. Why don't we go to, you know, a nightclub or a movie or something instead? So not being like, this is bad, but more just like, it doesn't seem fruitful. Perhaps we should try doing something else because it's hard to hear from someone that you're friends with that you might be acting like a bit of a knob. I don't think I would be like, oh, you need to stop doing that because it's bad. And mm. uh, like, and then I'm going to use you as an example of what not to do Yeah, and rather so, than yeah. actually talk to you about it. And and that I'm going to profit potentially from being able to tell your story in, a, in an eloquent way because you are worthy of mockery and derision. Yeah. So mean. Like the more you talk about it, the more you're like, she's so mean. Actually, uh, one thing I noticed, speaking of meanness, um, the two women at the ad agency that he works for, yeah, they're like A-plus mean girls. 
Literally, I wrote down, they are these caricatures of sneaky bitches. So these are, what these characters are to me are male producers' idea of what it must be like to work in an office where women are bitches and blokes get work done. You know, those women outside the window when he's changing his shirt and they're like, oh, like, is that what you really think goes on in an office? And maybe it did in 2003. I don't know. But I'm pretty sure that's not what's going on. Even if somebody who was very good looking took their shirt off at work in an office, even then I'd be like, dude, put your clothes back on. Yeah, or that's not allowed. And me as being a HR person in real life, I'm kind of like, wow, that's inappropriate from all sides. But I think, again, that's where 20. 2019 is so vastly different from 2003 because it, at that probably seemed perfectly realistic. And for I, I guess I'll say girls because that was a long time ago and I think we were probably just girls then. Um, girls like us, we would have been looking at that like, oh, yeah, I'd be looking through that window too if I was those ladies. Like, woo. But now you're like, yeah, oh, I was gone. I think I was 18. Yeah, I was 18 when this film came out. Yeah, same. So I, I have learned a lot since then. <laughs> I know it's ridiculous that we we idealized a relationship where we could get away with acting like a complete for want of a better word nutbag where like with a hot guy because somehow we thought oh yeah that that would totally work but if I was hotter or if I was blonder or if I was you probably would have been like if I was even as hot as Michelle I still would have been able to act as crazy as I feel sometimes because you know Catherine Hahn is a bomb hottie no matter what I am obsessed with Catherine Hahn. She's <laughs> amazing. And I'd forgotten yeah. she was in this film. And when she oh. came on screen, I literally screamed. <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> yes. I was like, oh, my God. I'm such a huge fan of her. And especially in this when um, the scene where she's the therapist, probably one of the greatest scenes of comedy that I have watched in forever just how she holds her composure. It was so good. It's actually so great. She's- and I love it. Right. I'd love to see her in like a, a rom-com of her own, not as like the side best friend. That's right. She's, oh, we'll have to get on that. She's amazing. Um, It sounds a lot like we're ragging on this film, but I'm a, <laughs> I know, I, must I, know, say, and I feel bad because it's like saying that, you know, your best friend. It's just where my annoying. conversations go. It is. But I, I really actually love this film. Yeah. And even after watching it again, I'm like, I'm not going to not watch it now. I just, some of it I'm like, oh, that's bullshit. But I'm not, I'm not like mad at the movie now. Everything you remember from when you were a kid is not the same, right? Nothing's the same. Yeah. But um, but this movie is still as like it's funny and it's simple. It's it's pretty predictable and um, it's a Kate little, Hudson it's a is so funny in this film. Kate See, Hudson, her physical comedy, like the faces, and all, I'm like, you are. She runs that movie. Like, yeah, Matthew McConaughey is a hottie. But, whoa, she takes charge of this movie with her acting 100% for me. Yes, agreed. She's, like you say, she's she's really good at physical comedy yeah. and, like, the poker game scene and <laughs> just, like, her facial expressions when they don't start eating the cucumber sandwiches straight away. Like, it's yeah. just, like, a, literally a two-second thing, but it made me laugh out loud even now having seen it a million times. And you know the 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 scene where she gives out the name, and he's like, "Oh, I don't I don't know about that. You can't you can't call it that." And I think that those things, I wouldn't be surprised if half of the stuff she said was ad libbed because she's hilarious. 
Yeah, I, I did read that um, like the poker scene in particular was mostly ad-libbed and yep. like they didn't know that she was going to throw the plate of vegetables at them. So there's lots of genuine surprise. And yeah. Yeah, a couple of the times when she's acting crazy, it's ad-libbed. So there's genuine surprise and probably a bit of freaked outedness yes. on Matthew McConaughey's part. Yeah, I think I think I read that where she's sort of kissing him when she buys the dog. And she's all excited and all over him, like all, all like a little puppy herself. That he was kind of like, "What the hell?" Because that was that was improvised. And I think, of course, it was because she's an absolute genius. Yeah. Although I do wonder about something so physical, like kissing on an improvised. Like, there's consent issues there, but I guess. Yeah. When you're I an mean, actor, I'm- it's a. I wonder if there's different boundaries or. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I think that it's, I, th- I guess it's got to have some kind of disclaimer like, hey, I might like jump on you. I might do something physical. Are you okay with that prior to it without spoiling what it might be? But I'm sure that these days we get a lot more of those kind of moments of like, just so you know. Um, and yeah, you got to I, I wonder if um, these days there is a bit more restraint. And I actually wonder if that's taking away some of the humor because improvisation can get pretty raunchy and intense but it can also be really funny um I don't know I don't want to see anyone be uncomfortable or get hurt obviously but um I do wonder if it's taken away a bit of spontaneity from performances we do have a duty to each other when we're in situations like that to be considerate um, and to make sure that we're all in agreement about what's going to happen. But I can understand how people would see that as, oh, it's such a shame because we lose X element, such as the sort of surprise, genuine surprise, but at what cost? And I think you, you've kind of done yeah. that. You don't want anyone to be feeling like that. And, I mean, it's about drawing that line between spontaneity and keeping somebody else's feelings in mind so you can be spontaneous you just don't be gross yeah that's right and taking yeah not taking advantage of the fact that you're like oh but I was improvising it just sort of happened yeah well that's that's I can only imagine what people have gotten away with by saying oh I was improvising yeah the same things that they probably thought they were getting away with by saying I was only joking Mm. (laughs) yeah yeah so anyway (laughs) gross um so generally this film is okay on problematic stakes, mm-hmm. but there was one bit that I kind of went, ugh, that's a bit. Uh, in the bar before he finds Andy, there's a bigger woman who's wearing <laughs> leopard print. Leopard, leopard yeah. print. Um, yeah. So there's a little bit of fat shaming there that I was like, ugh. But to Ben, the character's credit, he says, you know, ladies, be nice. I mean, he doesn't say that's not okay, blah, 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 but, like, he does acknowledge that they're being dicks. Yeah. But that felt fat-shamey to me. Absolutely. And from those women, but also it's funny that the way you put that, because I took that as Ben saying, be nice to me, like, ew, don't joke that I would go with her. Right. And so I'm still with you on the fat shaminess, but I actually didn't get the sense that he was the good guy in that. I feel like the three of them were all being jerks. So that actually yeah. wouldn't surprise me <laughs> given his so, character. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like talking about, I love women. And I'm like, yeah, I don't hear you talking about you love women's equal rights. And he does specifically say, I respect women, 
I don't believe it for a minute. We don't see it. Yeah, no. we don't see it. No. He's kind of set up to be a little bit of a ladies' man or at least yeah. attractive to attractive women. Yes, and so, like, that ties back to what we were saying about the idea of uh, in our own selves, in our own bodies at 18 years of age, might we have kind of not been able to really relate to anyone in this entire film because we were like, how can someone who's as attractive as Catherine Hahn be turned down? Ah, uh, rom-coms, they definitely set us up in that, uh, they set us up to fail. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that that's, I mean, of course part of it is that a rom-com is specifically about, oh, we want to feel good, we want to, you know, boy meets girl that kind of, you know, heteronormative, oh, this is what we've always wanted. We're working towards having that kind of mum and dad dream when, A, maybe not, and, B, that's not how life is. Um, even for someone who I, you know, have said, yes, I do believe you can fall in love with someone really fast because that's what happened with me and my husband. But at the same time, not everything that's happened before or since then has been normal or anything that you would want to put in a film that made people go, oh. Do you, so I'm just thinking about myself, obviously, all the time. Um, <laughs> I'm definitely one of those people that bought into the high expectations that romantic comedies set for men. I actually feel really bad for men <laughs> yeah. because rom-coms have given a, a large generation of women and multiple generations of women yeah. unrealistic expectations of men but at the same time I don't want to completely lower my standards I want some stuff but as I get older I've come to realize that especially in my 20s when I was probably watching a lot of these films my unrealistic expectations of not just men but meeting men so meet cutes and such that was very much driven by romantic comedies and so films like this oh you know, I'm going to meet Mac Matthew McConaughey on the street. And I don't even find Matthew McConaughey that, eh, I'm a meh on McConaughey. Yeah. Yeah. McConaughey, McConaughey. Uh, I like his voice, but I'm just meh on the rest. I think films like this, definitely. It's such an implausible meet. Yes. And it happens so quickly and he's so perfect and she's so perfect and et cetera. They don't really address either of their flaws when I think about it like what is Andy's flaw as a real person when she's not acting crazy she doesn't really have any flaws well or at least not that are addressed no that's right and I honestly and if I wanted to look into like that specific element of what are Andy's flaws or what what things are we loving her in spite of the first thing that comes up is the fact that she's got a small bust oh really yeah I didn't even notice <laughs> So Does she? she goes around braless for a lot of the movie. She has a, quite a small bust. She doesn't wear a bra. She doesn't have that voluptuous figure that's somewhere between. The yellow her. dress. I yes. do remember Iconic. having a thought when she comes out in the yellow dress and I'm like, oh, her boobs are really small. Yeah. Personality-wise, I can't imagine she has, at least from what we've been shown, she yeah. has no flaws that she needs to get over and he helps her get over. No, and I think that probably then, and they, they kind of then cement that for him by when they take 
they take us to the family home and he's there acting all Mr. Perfect and whatever. Then we see, oh, he also has no flaws. How perfect are these two flawless humans together once they get past the, you know, premise of the film? Well, that's the next question. Do you think they stay together after the film? He comes across to me as the kind of guy that would cheat on her with someone younger when she got too old. And when he and when he told her that he cheated or she found out that he would say to her, it's because you're you're getting too old and your boobs are too small. So maybe I'm like really stuck on her boobs, which I mean, I think her body is banging. I think that his character is a bit slimy. And and I think that I love women thing. He'd just be like, I can't help it. Like I just had to do it because she's so whatever. Um, yeah, I don't trust him. And, and I know that sounds ridiculous because he's a made up person for one hour and 55 minutes. But I honestly, if you were to say to me, do they stay together? He would keep hanging on to her for as long as he could, wouldn't commit, and then would cheat on her and she'd dump him and finally get the job that she really wanted. And I guess they've only known each other for 10 days. So who knows what's going to come out in the next month or two? Yeah. Like, is uh, he super possessive? Is he et cetera, et cetera? Like, yeah. they really don't know that much about each other because she wasn't being her true self yeah. for most of their relationships. So they, and neither was he really, because he was no. putting up with crap he probably wouldn't put up with. Um, yeah. And that's where I see the disparity is, like I said last week, we talked about when Harry met Sally, they know each other, they know their histories, they spend time together, they get to know each other, they accept each other despite their flaws. Whereas I feel like in this film, it's doomed to fail, at least from what we've seen, because they have one, probably one day where they knew the real, and that made them fall for each other, that one day, I think, out um, the Staten Island day, yeah, where they get to know each other and the kind of their pretenses are down. But that's one day. Mm. And, like, I mean, you said you fell for your husband after one day, and I think that, you know, is probably, or at least a week, like that's, doable it's the what comes next after you fall for someone about whether yeah. you stay with someone Definitely. so we don't we're not given the opportunity to kind of see how they would interact together when they're together yeah and I think you, you the thing that I can think of that would be most close to this comparison would be anyone that meets on The Bachelor people who fall in love in the Big Brother house Anyone that's exposed to someone for a short period of time but with a level of intensity that's not quote-unquote normal, you do you do see that those things kind of, they go, oh, yeah, we're so in love, you know, blah, 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 and then, oh, shock, split three months after the show. It's not a shock because three months in the real world, they go, oh, I don't like how you do X, Y, Z. I don't like the hours you keep. I don't like the job that you do. I don't like how you behave, uh, you know, during your monthly cycle, whatever it might be. Yeah, I kind of, I get that. And she seems fairly independent and strong-willed herself yeah um at least from when we actually see her and kind of has an idea of as towards the end she has an idea of what she wants to do with her life and where she wants to go so I wonder yeah. if that will create a butting of heads in that yeah. they're both quite independent and yeah so it's not really a opposites attract situation it's actually two quite similar people yeah. attract and that's not always a good thing. No, it, and it might seem, it, you know, it can be 
kind of, I don't know the right word, like a volatile in a positive way, you know, in a fireworks way, but it could also be kind of like firestorm way. So I, I think yeah. probably like anything, it starts off, it could start off good and then end up not so good. Yeah, definitely. So once again, I feel like we're ragging on this film, but we're not. I like this film. What parts of this film do you actually really like? If I said this film, you go, oh, I love it because what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Kate Hudson's a standout for me. I think I quote this movie all the time. So my friend has a son and his name is Ben and I call him Benny Bill 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 all the time. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm sure he loves that. Uh, he Well, he's two, so he doesn't have a choice. Um, okay. She she steals this movie. She 100% for me steals this movie and I love I love her. I love the Andy Anderson character. I love the exchange between the two of them where she's like, Andy Anderson, Benjamin Barry, mm, cute. Like, I, yes, it's so, I love that. And I love the banter. What, what is your favorite kind of, I call it squishy love struck moment? The, mo- the moment where you kind of go, aww. Uh, the, the shower scene and whenever I hear that song feels like home like when I hear that song that triggers all the feels for me um and I just love it because I feel like she's showing that she's being vulnerable and he's not being there's nothing creepy or sinister in in that scene like there's nothing it's it's fully them they're both consenting adults just really wanting to have that moment of connection and feeling really loved up with each other. And I'm like, oh, you guys, cute. Yeah, definitely. And I, for me, it's probably at the party where everyone else can tell that they're in love with each other. Yeah. Like it's it's kind of like usually you are the last people to know kind of yeah. if it's, you know, so obvious on their faces. It's kind of like, oh, they did actually fall for each other. No. I know. And I think um, that. Yeah, that's really, like, it is sweet when you, you think, and that's where the, the thing questioning around what happens afterwards, because they obviously genuinely felt something for each other, but it's just like, how does that work in real life? Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can be super attracted and into somebody that doesn't mean it's logical. Yeah, for a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I also, you talked about the Saturn Island. I really like when they're playing the game bullshit and, oh, yeah. um, you see her just kind of look around the table and she has this moment where she kind of realises it's almost like when you're with someone's family, you can tell who they are as a person. And I think that's where she kind of takes stock and thinks he's really lucky, but also he comes from these really good people. So he's probably a really good person himself. Yes. And the thing where they actually, I have two moments now because you're making me recall the other one. When they say, you're the only girl he ever brought here. And she's like, oh, my God. I I love that. And that makes me go, oh, so special. But then my cynical brain goes, man, you're probably just the only girl that he ever tried to make fall in love with him because all the rest of them he just wanted to, you know, do it and dump it. So, yeah. yeah and, like, does he think that that's a big deal for women meeting the parents so that would yes. help with the, the falling in love thing because, ah, oh, you know, I'm – I met your parents. This is, I'm all in. Like, yeah. And like manipulating everyone because he's bringing this girl. So his parents are going, finally, you know, philandering child has come home with a love interest. Hurrah. And manipulating her into thinking, oh, I know my mum's the best person around. And now I'm going to make you fall in love with her too. Yeah. So it could, it could be either way. Like either he genuinely likes her and 
wants to bring her home to his parents. And, and I want to especially at the beginning, that. I know, yeah, and especially at the beginning of the relationship, I did feel a really strong connection. And, like, there's a part, and I, I think I played it in the trailer earlier, um, <laughs> where he says, you know, what happened to the Andy that I met? Because... Yeah. There was obviously a connection there. He did like her, does like her. It's just every now and then she brings out the crazy. And so I like to hope that it was the cool Andy that he liked that he brought home to meet his parents. Yeah. And that maybe he was hoping that doing that, you know, because she had definitely showed off some of the real wild stuff by that point, hoping that doing that would make her stop being crazy because she would feel validated and reassured because that's a realistic, I mean, it's a trope, but it is definitely a realistic thing where people who feel insecure act in a way that they don't when they feel secure. Yeah. And I did have a couple of times where I was watching this film where she was quote unquote crazy because I kind of hate to use that word. I mean, it is a bit of a slur. Yeah, it is a problematic term, but I just don't know how else to describe what she's doing and until we come up for a replace word I did feel a little bit uncomfortable that a lot of what they were playing on the craziness was insecurity and there are a lot of people that genuinely have insecurities like this and I wonder if I mean she wasn't doing it or communicating it in the best way but I wonder how that sits with people who are genuinely that insecure to be made fun of like that. And so there were a couple of times where I was like, oh, I know people who do think their boyfriend calls them fat and it's not funny because they've obviously got these deep-seated insecurities that need to be dealt with. But also Kate Hudson plays it so over the top that it is funny. So uh, this film is very... Ah, I'm not sure how I feel. (laughs) I agree. And I think that my boyfriend thinks I'm fat moment is hilarious because, one, uh, she's like the least fat person going, um, which is obvious. And why a little bit why it's funny, but also why we sort of go, is being called fat the worst thing that he could possibly say to you? And that's a whole nother, you know, that's another podcast altogether. Yeah. But um, to his credit, he does look at her like, what are you talking about? Like, I definitely do not think you're fat. Like, and, and I definitely I mean, who would say that because he actually does have a sense of like, he comes across as that kind of almost the kind of guy that like, if you called his sister fat, he'd punch you because he knows that that would offend her. So he's not like, I don't think he's totally unlikable. And I don't think he's a complete shit person. It's just that I think as a perspective love interest in the real world, I'm like, you are ridiculous. Like that. no, but do I, yeah, do I think that he's fundamentally unlikable? No, I quite enjoy it. Like, you know, he's attractive. He is funny. Um, he does have some interesting things about him. And, yes, he's career-driven, which makes him act like a bit of a tool in the sense of the bet. But overall, like, is he a, a really bad person? No, I don't think he is. Yeah, and we want them to get together. Yeah, we do. Like, character-wise, we want them to get together. It's not just because we're manipulated by story into wanting to them to get together. But I would hang out with both of these people in real life. And I would probably want them to get together. I just don't know if I'd want them to stay together in the long term. I think that if we look at these people as, you know, and if we put ourselves, I think it's it's probably pretty standard practice for us to put ourselves in the shoes of the most relatable person. So if we put ourselves in Michelle's shoes, do we like both of these people? And if we had a friend who met this guy, would we be like, my God, you guys are so cute together. I love it. 
Yes, we would. We probably would. Um, but then also if it turned out that he was a bit of a jackass and didn't, you know, support her in her career progression or um, didn't, you know, criticise the way she dressed or something like that, we'd be like, mm, in the bin, straight in the bin. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So we're probably going to start wrapping things up so you can go okay. have a life outside of talking to me. Well, I can go and make um, dinner. Rude. Rude. Oh, yeah, food. Food. I will I will let you go for food. That's fine. It's my favourite right. thing. Just as a closer question, what is your favourite rom-com? I think that my favourite rom-com has to probably be, and I don't know, I'm going to have to dissect this a little bit further on reflection, but I think I'm pretty sure it's love, actually. Ah, okay. Interesting, <laughs> because I'm not covering love, actually, for this podcast because it's not a straight rom-com to me. There's rom-com elements and some of the stories definitely have rom-com, but in mm. m- the rules that I've written to cover for this podcast, it doesn't yes. make the requirements. Okay, well then. But it was the first thing that came to you. It was the first thing. I watched it every Christmas Eve, but the second one would have to be The Wedding Singer. Oh, I love The Wedding Singer. The Wedding Singer holds a special place. Again, the time it was released, the timing of me watching it, where I was emotionally as far as romance was concerned. I'm like, oh, my God, I love you. It's great. And I'm sure a few down the line I'll get you in and we'll talk about The the Wedding Singer. Let's. Cool. Well, thank you so much for chatting. Um, I And I always give, quote, unquote, always being episode number two. 100% um, of the time. Is there anything you'd like to sign off with, anything you'd like to plug, anything you'd like to say to the audience before I cut you off? I would just like to say thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm definitely no film buff as far as professionally is concerned, but I love movies and I love chatting with you. So thank you so much for having me. And if you're interested in hearing any more of my ridiculous opinions, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at the Water Mama. Water Mama. W A. Yep. Spell it out for me, please. <laughs> it's at T H E W A double T O M U double M A. The Water Mama. Right. Okay. Because I followed you for so long. I think somewhere in there you actually changed your name. Yeah. So- well, when I became a mama, I went from being my just myself to being to being the Water Mama. And some people might say that it's not ideal for you to identify yourself in that way, but I figure no matter <laughs> what, I'll always be I'll always be a mama. So you know that that's just part of what I do. Excellent. No worries. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you to my guest April Watson, and thank you for listening to the podcast. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is a Paramount Pictures production. I've taken a clip from YouTube for the soundbite, so uh, please don't sue me. Thanks again for listening.